You're listening to a 1FM podcast. I've got him back on the line. It's that time of the week. I've got Steve on the line. How are you? Yeah, good thanks, Josh. And to you, the listeners, I hope everybody's going okay. And it's a very nice day here and just having a quiet time, watching a bit of TV and doing a few exercises and very happy to talk to you about this particular gentleman, though. Ah, that's good. And uh, yeah, it's a lovely day here. We're doing it on Wednesday, of course. I think there's cricket on. Are you watching the Tasmanian? Uh, Yeah, occasionally. I'm just flicking over. Of the channel now and again, Josh. Yeah, New South Wales doing it easy, I think. I think so, yeah. Yes. It looks that way. <laughs> That's probably why I don't want to watch it too much. No, you know, but it's mate. good to have cricket back. But anyway, yeah, right. who are we talking about? Well, I reckon this is a very good one, this one. This is Fats Domino, mate. Yeah, and I thought we did it, but I was confused. Chubby Checker we've done, and now we're going to yeah. do the ones we were comparing him to, Fats Domino. Yeah, that's right, yeah. As Elvis Presley once mentioned this, he was the real king of rock and roll. But we'll talk a bit more about that later on anyway. Okay. Uh, Antoine, A-N-T-O-I-N-E, Domino Jr., was born on the 26th of February in 1928 in New Orleans, Louisiana. And he was the youngest of eight children born to Antoine Sr. and Marie uh, Donna Steele, and they were of French Creole background. Now, his father was a part-time violin player who worked at a racetrack. Doesn't say what he was doing at the racetrack, just that he worked there. <laughs> Fats, well, he wasn't called Fats, but I'll call him Fats from now on anyway. He left school to work as a helper to an ice delivery man, he, and he learned to play piano at this time around about circa 1938, so he would have been about 10 or 11, from his brother-in-law, who was a jazz guitarist. By age 14, he's performing in New Orleans bars. And in 1947, Billy Diamond, who was a, a New Orleans band leader, accepted an invitation to hear Domino perform at a backyard barbecue. And he was so impressed, he asked Domino to join his band, which was called the Solid Senders, at the Hideaway Club in New Orleans, where Domino earned $3 a week playing piano which probably wasn't bad in those days. Diamond nicknamed him Fats because Domino reminded him of Fats Waller and Pats Pachon, which is two, two other famous jazz people of that era, but also because of his large appetite. I might mention here that Fats was only five foot five in the old language and uh, over 200 pounds, so he's a pretty big boy. <laughs> now, he was signed to Imperial Records in 1949 by the owner of the Imperial, Lou Chud, C-H-U-D-D, and he was to be paid royalties based on sales. Now, Domino and his producer, Dave Bartholomew, wrote a song called The Fat Man, which had sold a million copies by 1951 and is believed to be the first rock and roll record to achieve this feat. I haven't been able to find The Fat Man to listen to, actually, or just about every other fat song I've got, but I can't find that one. That's the oldest one, so that's probably why. Now, he released a series of hit songs with Bartholomew, who was also a co-writer of many of these songs. Quite often, though, he would sit in quite often as a session musician for other artists on different record labels, and he provided the instrumental piano introduction on Lloyd Price's first hit, which is Lordy Miss Claudie, and that was produced by Bartholomew. So Fetch didn't mind just sharing himself around. Now, Ain't That a Shame, which is a very popular one that we all know, debuted on Billboard on July the 16th, 1955, at number 14, and that was his first pop mainstream hit. It actually reached top 10. I might add here that not one of his songs actually reached number one except on the rhythm and blues charts, but on the mainstream charts, and none of his songs ever reached number one. 
Now, the interesting thing about Ain't That a Shame was that Pat Boone had a version of this song and it reached number one and it received wide airplay. That was back in the days, of course, of racial segregation. His song got much more airplay than Pat. So to get that into that top ten for being, an, well, basically an Afro-American, it was a fantastic effort. Now, as he started the tour, he said to be earning about 10000 a week and he had 37 top 40 singles and I've mentioned none of which reached number one. Now, I'll give you a discography. There's a fair few songs here. We did make a lot, but I've, I've left quite a lot out, so I'll try to be fairly quick with this. In 1949, there's The Fat Man, which was two on the US Rhythm and Blues chart. In 1952, Going Home, which was 30 on Billboard, which was just called the Hot 100 back then. And 1953, Going to the River, which was 24 Billboard. 1955, Ain't That a Shame, 10 on Billboard and 23 in the UK. 1956, Bo Weaver, which was 35 on Billboard and I'm In Love Again which was 3 on Billboard 12 in the UK My Blue Heaven 19 on Billboard Blueberry Hill was 2 on Billboard and 6 in the UK that was his biggest song and he sold 5 million copies which was fantastic back in those days and also Blue Monday 5 Billboard 23 UK 1957 on Walken which a lot of people would know 4 on Billboard 19 UK 58 a whole lot of loving 6 on Billboard 1959 I Want to Walk You Home, 8 on Billboard, 14 on the UK. I'm Going to Wear a Wheel Someday, 17 on Billboard, 1960. Walking to New Orleans with 6 on Billboard, 19 UK. My Girl Josephine, 14 Billboard, 32 UK. 61, I Hear You Knocking, 67 on Billboard. And his last top hit, or the last hit to actually reach anywhere on the charts, was a song called Red Sails in the Sunset. That was 1963. And that reached 35 on Billboard and 34 in the UK. I've written down here, there are a myriad of others which people may not realise I've left out, but there's a lot of them there, so you can just check out Wikipedia to have a look at that. Now, many of his songs, as I said before, were number one on the Rhythm and Blues charts, but failed to make number one on the mainstream. In 1957, he actually maintained, and I quote, what they call rock and roll now is rhythm and blues. I've been playing it now for 15 years in New Orleans, so the origins of rock and roll were a bit further back than, say, Elvis, I would say. Yeah. Appeared in two movies in 1956, called Shake, Rattle and Rock and the girl can't help it I don't know who was in them but I dare say they were just those teen type flicks 1957, a magazine called Ebony featured Fats, who said he was on the road 340 days of the year, earning up to 2500 a night, grossing over 500000 for the year, owning 50 suits and 100 pairs of shoes. I don't know how true all that was, but that was a heck of a lot of equipment and a heck of a lot of dollars for those times, I'd say. Now, he stayed with the Imperial label, which is all, all, all those songs that I mentioned to you he recorded on, until it was sold in early 1963. And they recorded over 60 singles for them and then eventually moved to ABC Paramount in that year, 1963. Now, he released 11 singles for them and Red Stars in the Sunset, which I mentioned earlier, was the only one to reach the top 40. He recorded steadily after that until about 1970. But by that time, of course, with the British invasion, as we've mentioned many times before, his style was going out of fashion, but he refused to change, saying, this is me and this is what I want to do. Now, he changed labels and released a cover of Lady Madonna on reprise records. He appeared in a monkey special in 1968 
and actually opened for Ike and Tina Turner in April 69 and appeared in a cameo role. Josh, uh, if you know this bit, he appeared in that cameo role in Clint Eastwood's Any Which Way You Can. Oh, okay. I haven't actually seen it. One of the movies I haven't seen from Clint. Okay, well, he was singing a song called Whiskey Heaven. Okay. So when you come to watch it, that'll be oh, fast oh. to recognise him. I'll have a look for it. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was actually introduced in 1966, and guess who was one of the first ten musicians inducted into it? Uh, yeah, I think I can guess. <laughs> he certainly did. Now, he received the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 1987. He was awarded the National Medal of the Arts by Bill Clinton in 1998. In 2007, he was inducted into the Louisiana Music Hall of Fame. In 2016, he was inducted into the National Rhythm and Blues Hall of Fame. And then the song called The Fat Man entered the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2015. And Blueberry Hill had preceded that in 1988. Now, it's an interesting little story here because we, we know that he lived in New Orleans and with Hurricane Katrina actually approaching, he had his house there in, in New Orleans. He actually uh, stopped at to stay home with the family as his wife, Josephine, was in poor health. And despite rumours to the contrary, he and the family actually rescued, but they'd lost everything in the hurricane. They then moved to a place called Harvey, which was in Louisiana. His last public appearance was at a place called Tip Tina, T-I-P-T-I-N-A. Yes, and that was in New Orleans, and he performed to a full house. That concert was actually recorded for a uh, 2008 TV special called Fats Domino Walking Back to New Orleans and featured quite a lot of different blues artists. He's actually sold over 110 million records, which is a phenomenal amount. But a little story here, which I thought was quite interesting, in 1988, he actually bought two Cadillacs and a $130,000 Rolls Royce for cash. The car dealer actually asked him if he wanted to check with the bank for finance, and Fats said, I am the bank. So uh, <laughs> he could afford a heck of a lot more than what of those cars, etc. I dare say. Now, he was married, as I mentioned, to a lady called Rosemary from 1947, and she passed away in 2008. They also had eight children. See if you can pick up a common thread with the names of the children here, Josh. Antoine III, Anatole, Andre, Antonio, Antoinette, Andrea, Anola, and Adonica. Hmm, I think he liked the French, did he? Yeah, and they all started with A. Hey, yes. <laughs> Think about that. I don't know what that was all well, about. Well, New Orleans, it's, it's French, isn't it? The French. Yeah, are... yeah, it's French Creole, and that's yeah, in so... the area. That's right. Now, Elvis Presley once said of Domino, that's the real king of rock and roll, stating also that rock and roll was here a long time before me, and I can't sing like Fats can. And Richie Unterberger, who's a respected music journo, says... This shy, deferential, uncharismatic man, I don't know, I'm not too sure about the uncharismatic, uh, the uncharismatic man invented New Orleans rock and roll. I would have thought that he was fairly charismatic with his stage act. I'm not quite sure about that. The shy and deferential, maybe that was true. So Fat Domino, an absolute legend of the game, is actually Rolling Stone, reference number 57 in Wikipedia, actually mentions where Fats fits in the top 50, according to Rolling Stone magazine, in 2010. Now, they placed Fats at number 25, and I'm going, mm, OK. So I went and actually had a look, and I must say the list is pretty good. When you've got the Beatles, Bob Dylan, Rolling Stones, etc. there, couldn't really argue about Fats being at 25. Might have got a bit higher, but I think it's probably a pretty fair call. So yeah. my song selections, Josh, has found it pretty tough because there's a lot of them I like, but my favourite Fats song actually is, is walking to new orleans so we'll have that i think thank you okay here he is fats domino walking to new orleans 
And yeah, it's a classic one. And if you've seen the movie that came out last year about Elvis, the Baz Luhrmann one, there's a scene where uh, Elvis escapes to Bill Street and he's going with all the African-American musicians. Uh, yeah. I thought it was uh, Fats Domino, but he, he went and uh, saw B.B. King, but Fats Domino uh, could have easily been one of them, so yeah. Yeah, it could easily pass for him, I'd say. And I might also mention too that these would be back in the days when racial segregation was still very much on the cards. So quite a lot of the time, a lot of the concerts that he actually performed got fairly riotous and all that. But that was actually blamed more on the alcohol rather than the, the racial issue. And actually, this mentioned it somewhere that he certainly helped to break down the barriers just by being who he was. Yeah, yeah. My other choices: Blueberry Hill. Yep. I'm going to be a wheel someday. Yep. And ain't that a shame? Yeah. And you can slot Kansas City in, I'll have, we'll have that too, but you'll see how you go for time there, Josh. Yeah, fine, yeah, they're all mate. good. But thanks, Steve. It's a great musician, Fats Domino. Yeah, it'll be a hard act to follow next week. I don't know who it's going to be next week. Fats was pretty good. I really enjoyed doing that one, I must say. Yeah, Finn, Finn someone. I don't know. Yeah. Finn Lizzie or something is the only one I can think of. But anyway, thanks, Steve, and look forward to talking to you next week. Uh, yes, and good luck, good health to you and the listeners. and. Have a good week, and I look forward to catching up there next week. And I just say, we're doing this on Wednesday afternoon. At the moment, it's 4.02, and this time next week, we'll have a new premiere and two new premieres, one in the footy and one in the politics. Well, it is Jacinta Allen. Yeah, and, uh, but Daniel uh, Andrews still premier for another uh, 57 minutes. Oh, right, OK. <laughs> well, I hope he enjoys his 57 minutes of fame. There you go. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I think he will. <laughs> and anyway, so... Go Brisbane. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we're happy next week. But anyway, well, thanks, we'll, Steve. Yeah, no worries, Josh. Have a good one, mate, and we'll catch up again. Thanks All the best. That. All good. Okay, see ya. You've been listening to a 1FM podcast.